Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper, where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. We're here today with Scott Goldberg, uh, who ran for delegate uh, in 2010 and uh, has uh, streamlined management, uh, commercial real estate uh, management company, and uh, sits on a number of civic boards. Welcome, Scott. How are you doing today? I'm good, Jordan. Uh, thanks for having me. I am excited to be here. So the first question I'd like to ask you is, what are you currently doing or what have you ever done to advance the public interest and why? So that's a great question. Uh, I had the opportunity to run for office in 2010. Uh, some would say unsuccessfully, but that's only if you consider vote totals a measure of success. But one of the things I really believed and got in touch with was using solar energy more so on a mass scale. And, and, and I had been promoting this idea that we should take schools and cover their ceilings with solar panels. And that was back in 2010. And now it, it's interesting whether people saw these commercials that I made or just read about this idea or completely independent of this, it, it's sort of happening now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Developers, schools, government buildings, buildings of all sorts are really starting to put solar panels on them and use them as renewable energy. Um, so to see that, to, to promote an idea and to see it become a reality would be something that uh, had an impact on me. So have you been using your professional uh, streamlined management or, or have you been continuing to advocate for solar panels and renewable energy promotion? Actually, we have a pretty cool business model coming up. Um, It's purchasing regular houses Mm -hmm. to operate as rental properties, but to make them uh, either energy neutral or energy positive. Mm -hmm. So basically little power stations in communities. uh, So people who are green conscious and investors that want to reduce carbon footprints and and increase the amount of renewable energy in this world uh, can either you know, purchase part of or move into these properties uh, with the hopes of them uh, renewing our dependency on fossil fuels. Just for our listeners, energy positive means that you actually, normally a consumer would draw energy from the power grid and use it. But in this case, because there would be solar panels on the roof of a home, uh, the user would be actually contributing more energy to the grid than they'd be actually using so that's energy positive scott could you tell us a little bit about why solar panels why solar energy how did you why did it become a campaign platform why is that something that you became interested in that's a great question you know climate change is real and it's happening and you can just look at i mean look at the military and the department of defense they are huge proponents of of reducing emissions. Uh, if you take a look at naval bases, obviously they're all on coasts, and they're worried that, that they're going to get flooded as, as ice caps melt and sea levels rise. Hmm. Uh, they are looking at varieties of different green fuels for uh, both ships and aviation. Um, it's also a matter of national security, right? Because being independent of foreign oil means that we're not funneling our 
financial resources into those countries that produce oil, the OPEC countries, and it makes us energy self-sufficient, independent. Absolutely. If we don't have to do business and rely on people who may not agree with our values, that can certainly make us more uh, more safe. So, okay, so solar panels. So tell me a little bit, Why? what led to you running for office? And why have you remained engaged after you lost that election? Another great question. So 28-year-old Scott would say being an elected official sounded interesting, it sounded cool, it sounded neat, it sounded like a great way to, to affect change. 34-year-old Scott, who has since had two children, would say that there is just an infinite amount of opportunity in this world. And we need to start tapping much more of everything that we have, our, our natural resources, our intelligence, our work ethic, our value system, to create a better world for our children that will inherit the one that we are responsible for now. What's the, I mean, what would be wrong with the status quo being perpetuated? What danger is there? What, what's the imperative for us to improve the world for subsequent generations? So the trajectory of human evolution has always been continuous improvement. Um, there have been many times, in the, especially in the middle of the 20th century, when others might have argued different, to a different point. Sure. Uh, we, we went on vacation in the Outer Banks in North Carolina, and we visited Kitty Hawk. Mm -hmm. and, and it's really cool. Right in the sand dunes, you can see they have stones where the, the Wright brothers uh, first took off and how long their initial flights were. Mm -hmm. um, less than 70 years after that, we landed on the moon. And now our entire world, you can be on it within 24 hours, getting on a jet plane and taking it across the globe. Uh, so we need to harness that explorer's mentality into all facets of, of our society. So what have you been doing on a personal level? You said you, you're dealing with streamlined management um, and have you been, what, what have you been trying to accomplish uh, recently in to, to advance the public interest? How, tell, tell me how your property management company advances the public interest or your involvement in the boards or, or just what boards are you involved in? So that's a great question. Well, I have the fortunate uh, pleasure of serving with Jordan on the Western Montgomery County Citizens Advisory Board uh, where we hear a range of issues and, and advise the county council and county executive. Uh, as you mentioned, the my company Streamline Management is about to celebrate its 10th birthday. Uh, Happy we, birthday. Thank you. We were founded in April of 2007. So it's really something to hear a lot of these policies. For example, paid uh, parental leave in mm -hmm. Montgomery County mm -hmm. and how that affects human beings. And to see a lot of these policies in practice is certainly a, a great thing to improve people's lives, to, to employ people. Uh, but then if you take a step back and think what people don't have. So we deal with people across the spectrum 
for of income levels. So for someone making 12 or 13 or 14 or $15 an hour, you know, what happens if their car breaks down? What happens if they get a serious illness? What happens if they want to enjoy some luxury, like a, a week-long vacation? Um, I would say economic opportunity is, economic opportunity and climate change are are the two issues that we really need to be moving forward and that we focus on both in, our, in, in my professional life. Uh, I dabble a little bit as an attorney. I went to school at night and passed the Maryland Bar a number of years ago. Uh, but just advising and advancing those two areas. So would you say, okay, so um, advancing, I'm sorry, you were saying that uh, you're an attorney. Uh, what have you done? Any? What have you? So Haven't been arrested yet. <laughs> so okay. So you said okay. So in 2010, did you run as a Democrat? Yes. So would you call yourself a progressive uh, individual on issues? I would say I'm a progressive Democrat with libertarian tendencies. So the reason I ask is because many Democrats have been supportive, as it sounds you might may be of a paid Family Medical Leave Act that would require employers to, um, to provide paid leave to employees. So as an entrepreneur with your own business, I was wondering if you see a different side of that issue than other individuals uh, on, on the left side of the political spectrum who are not business owners. Um, do you see anything different as the costs that will be incurred by that program would be directly borne by you and your business? So every business is different. Uh, some of them have incredibly high profit margins, some of them razor thin, some of them employ lots of hourly workers, some of them all salaried, and, and all this can be mixed and matched. What we did when a lot of these regulations came out mm -hmm. They didn't really affect us because we were already doing, we were already compliant. Hmm. Um, so at our company, at the beginning of the year, everyone gets the calendar. We go by the federal government for holidays. Mm -hmm. um, we get the Friday after Thanksgiving, and everyone gets 15 paid days off for whatever you want to use them for. Mm -hmm. So if you want to go on vacation, if you are ill, for whatever reason, you can take these days off and they're yours. They're paid as as part of the the overall package for, for working with us. Hmm. So, okay, so by being, so having taken the initiative as a business owner to do the right thing, when the law catches up to you, it's, you know, there's, there's not too much of a negative impact. There's not really much of an impact at all, really, because as a business owner, you decided to, to do the right thing and before you were compelled to do the right thing? I think we get in trouble with saying things like right and wrong. So, like I said, every scenario is different. And when we label people that are against a certain policy mm -hmm. or where a certain policy would, would cause them real harm, mm -hmm. by labeling them as wrong, mm -hmm. I think we create division and we have a tendency to demonize our, our 
our friends, our neighbors, our fellow citizens, and surely you know, our, our fellow Americans. Um, and we need to do a better job of, of understanding where everyone is coming from. So do you know of other colleagues in other, do, do you have other, or do you know individuals in the community who oppose a family medical paid FMLA and, and can you articulate some of their rationale? And then on the other hand, can you explain why you chose to offer such a benefit package to your employees prior to being compelled to do so? So I don't want to speak for others on why they opposed it. Mm-hmm. It was actually a, a very interesting argument that it's discriminatory to people who are single or don't want to have children or be, or be parents. So now it's a, it puts an additional burden on people who will never take this, this type of leave. I don't, I don't buy that, but it was something very interesting. I have a friend who uh, works for a company and they're given essentially extra vacation time the year that they get married to go on a honeymoon. Hmm. And my friend said that was great. Uh, and then he said out loud a thought that, well, maybe that's not fair to people who never get married because they, they don't get this extra vacation time. Uh, but in essence, we looked at what is, what is simple for the employee in their planning. So they get they get these, in our company, they get these 15 paid days off for use, whatever they want. And it gives them the freedom to choose. And it is easy for them to understand that they can just, it doesn't matter the reason why they t- want to take off, they can just take off. Mm-hmm. Hmm. So, all right, so, okay, so you, you ran, where did you run for office when you first ran for office? I ran for the Maryland House of Delegates in District 16, which is predominantly uh, Bethesda and partially Chevy Chase. And what's, how would you define the geographic area represented by the, the Citizen Advisory Board that we sit on? So we represent a very similar swath, Bethesda, Chevy Chase, uh, a little bit of Kensington, uh, Rockville, Potomac, and and the western part, the entire western part of the county, from the river to Frederick. So it's 2016 right now. You ran in 2010. You're raising a family here. What's significant about this district? What is it about this area that not only attracted you here to public service initially, but that keeps you here? So, uh, in the interim, uh, my my wife and I in 2007. Uh, bought a condo next to the Bethesda Metro on Woodmont Ave, uh, 569 glorious square feet. And we decided uh, when we were going to start a family uh, that we needed something a little bit bigger. So we ended up purchasing a home in Silver Spring. But we had a blast in Bethesda. And from then to now, so in the last nine years, Bethesda has become... A, a little city. You look at all the high-rises going up. Uh, thousands and tens of thousands of housing units being planned. Uh, 
incredible restaurants, uh, high-end restaurants, um, entertainment, social activities. It's just a, a vibrant place, and it's it's getting more incredible. Hmm. And 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 uh, all right. So we we've covered a little bit of distance here. We've done solar energy. We've done downtown Bethesda. We've done paid family medical leave act, economic development. More generally speaking, you said, and we covered actually an interesting thing, which you said was um, right and wrong. You said, well, how, how is it that you determine what is right for yourself? And then is that any different than how you determine what is right for your company? 34-year-old Scott thinks the, the world is a lot of times very gray, and right or wrong is dependent upon who is looking at something or how you're looking at it. Um, and I would say a lot of times mm -hmm. there's no definite right or wrong, there's no definite good or bad, there's no best or worst way to do things but if you make a decision mm -hmm. an educated reasonable decision and you get behind it and you stand by it that is sometimes the best course of action it's important to stick with your your decision I think so have, have some get some information and and stand by your principles so you ever thought of, of running again you said 28-year-old Scott thought it would be a cool thing to do, but now 34-year-old Scott has a business, a mortgage, a few kids. So 34-year-old so, so Scott enjoys spending time with his kids, <laughs> and my incredibly intelligent, beautiful wife uh, has a thriving ther therapy practice. She is a licensed clinical social worker. Uh, we actually share an office in Bethesda. And... Uh, she sees uh, patients two nights a week, um, so I, on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. So I pick up our children from daycare and get to spend some daddy time with them, while she gets to um, she gets to grow her practice, and that is a fulfilling thing for a number of reasons, both to see my wife's career flourish and to to be alone you know, watch my children get older. So to be an elected official and to do it right, you can find a meeting or a group to meet with or a presentation every single night uh, and probably multiple times on the weekend in addition to raising money and campaigning and uh, being in the office and meeting with constituents and uh, meeting with different stakeholders. So right now, I am enjoying being a dad and a business owner and an attorney and an activist on the volunteer local level. So it sounds like what you're saying is, though the idea of being a politician may still be inherently appealing to you, the price, the cost of running for office to become a politician exceeds what you're willing to pay. There's too much that would re be required to be sacrificed for you to get there. I don't think the to do it right is on 
my life cycle right now. You know, certainly that could change in in future years. Mm-hmm. And being in elected office, you do have the opportunity to make significant amounts of change if you do it right. And for someone to get in it and not be able to devote a thousand percent is being a little disingenuous with themselves and and the public deserves better. So as we near the end of the podcast, I'd like to wrap up with a final question. You know, seeing your years of service, having run, continuing to serve, and then through your own business trying to improve the world, why is it that you're interested in public service, especially when you've articulated the costs of doing public service? There are sacrifices that you must make. For instance, being at a meeting late at night instead of being with your family, doing a podcast interview when you could be putting your children to bed. Why is it that you're interested in public service even though there's a cost to doing so? Bill Clinton was once talking about his entry into politics and he said he was thinking about being a surgeon and he, he learned about Michael DeBakey who invented the artificial heart and he said if he were to become a doctor he would never be Michael DeBakey. But if he got into politics, he thought he could be the best at it. And uh, I think there's a certain set of skills, personal skills, uh, intelligence, um, passion, fire, that I believe I would be decent at it. All right. Well, you heard it from Scott Goldberg, who basically says, you know, follow your heart, understand that you have responsibility, community, but you really got to do what you're good at because at the end of the day, it's your life and you got to uh, make sure that you're doing the best you can and, and uh, that you're enjoying it in the process and giving back is definitely something that's helpful. So uh, thank you so much for joining us for episode 39 of Public Interest Podcast with your host, Jordan Cooper where we interview politicians, activists, advocates, and others who seek to improve the state of the world. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you next time.